chapter thirty one of order number eleven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org order number eleven by caroline abbott stanley chapter thirty one the sack of keswick my hand hath found as a nest the riches of the people and as one gathereth eggs that are left have i gathered and there was none that moved the wing or opened the mouth or peeped isaiah ten fourteen it was the twentieth day of august eighteen sixty three they never forgot that day on grand prairie it was seared into their memories with a red-hot iron it was the prelude to the carnival of blood at lawrence quantrell's forces were gathering for it now from fastnesses along the sny out of the deep wooded glens of the blue men came in twos and threes exchanging passwords and pressing on a band had gone to dr lay's the night before he was at the supper-table when they called him out he went straight to his wife and kissed her good-bye many a last farewell was taken thus that summer oh my husband was her moan my dear be brave our times are in god's hands arm in arm they stepped to the door there was no accusation there was no form of trial or defence they simply shot him down with accurate aim that left him dead in her clinging arms the good doctor who had brought some of them into the world who had smoothed the way of their fathers and mothers out of it forgotten were the hours of patient watching he had given them forgotten all the weary miles he had ploughed through ice and snow to succour them in need forgotten the roses he had called back to their children's cheeks and their gratitude then he was on the other side and they were maddened with the taste of blood ah sherman was right war is hell they buried him the next day under the willow at keswick he had no family burying ground of his own and it was not unusual for that kindly people to offer the hospitality even of a last home to a friend the stricken family was taken to keswick's sheltering roof all differences were forgotten now they had been lifelong friends and he was gone evil tidings fly fast hardly had the murdered man been laid to rest before a mob of infuriated soldiers appeared on grand prairie the news of a union man's death added fuel to a fire already blazing they were on their way to keswick the story of quantrell and the sick soldier had reached them emmeline had been faithless one of those soldiers pressed on in advance sparing neither himself nor his horse it seemed as if his object was to get there before the others the little group of mourners had just left the willow and the new-made grave under it and were sadly wending their way to the house colonel trevilian supporting the wife of his old friend whose death was so soon to be visited upon him only virginia had lingered to lay flowers on the mound for the sake of the absent one 
as she rose her mind filled with thoughts of him and of his loss uncle reuben touched her arm miss figinia he said in a low guarded tone dey's a man waitin down yonder in de pasture to see you a soldier a soldier repeated virginia in amazement to see me there came to her a swift remembrance of how she had gone forth on just such a summons to meet gordon under the honeysuckle suppose it should be gordon oh to be clasped in his strong arms again and sob it all out on his breast she had been through so much then she smiled sadly at her own folly gordon was in mississippi was it a federal soldier uncle reuben he's got on federal clothes honey was uncle reuben's non-committal answer the time had come when no man could judge righteous judgment from the outward appearance the old man was fumbling in his pocket he gimme dis here paper to give you miss figinia i seed him spearin round behind de trees in de pasture when you all was gwine to de grave and i went down dar yassum he's waitin down dar in de bresh virginia took the note with a beating heart it was written on a scrap of paper torn from a notebook and was in an unknown hand there is danger it said for somebody you love if you want to save him come down to the place that the negro will show you and come now it was unsigned virginia thought rapidly who was it that was in danger her father he was always in danger everybody was in danger on grand prairie for that matter could it be gordon after all perhaps he had come back sooner than he had expected and was in the neighbourhood even now and this was somebody that renee taggart had sent to warn her she shuddered at the thought or beverly they had not seen beverly for months they did not even know where he was perhaps it was the boy they had nursed jesse james come back to give them secret information of some new danger from quantrell's band was it a young boy uncle reuben nome hits a tall man got beard all over his face seem like i know de favor of dat man but i can't tell whar i've seed him a big bearded man who in the world could it be and what did he want with her would she dare to go down in the woods to meet a strange man then she reflected that if uncle reuben had been told to pilot her it was not likely that the man meant her any bodily harm she picked up the paper and read it again danger for somebody you love come now there was an emphasis on that last part that startled her she looked down toward the woods and then around the prairie the western sky was ablaze with gold and mounting up against that brilliant background was a faint haze of something that it seemed to her darkened as she looked was it smoke uncle reuben she said quietly what is that over there in the west the old man shaded his eyes hit looked to me like dust miss figinia i'm mighty afraid day's soldiers kickin up dat cloud she turned toward the woods go on she said sharply show me the way when they reached the clump of haw bushes down in the pasture the very ones under which renee had sobbed her heart out that day so long ago a man got up from a fallen log and stood before her he was heavily bearded and his soldier cap was pulled down over his face he pushed it back and stood looking at her with an insolent smile it was emmons baird 
he moved a step forward and then stopped warned by a look in her eyes she had drawn herself up to her full height and stood quietly waiting his next move you know me i see he said yes i know you what do you want i want to talk with you i've got something to tell you that you ought to know but i don't want to say it before that old negro you needn't be afraid i'm not afraid she said as quietly as if she were in her father's house uncle reuben go over there by that big hickory out of hearing but not out of sight watch us closely and if i motion to you come now what have you to say to me he was looking at her in bold admiration one thing that had kept up his strange infatuation for the girl was her utter lack of fear he had planned this meeting in the woods with the base thought that alone with him an armed man she would feel herself in his power and yield more quickly to his wishes he had expected to be complete master of the situation somewhat to his bewilderment she was as yet mistress of it here she was directing her servant and himself as if the situation had been of her planning what have you to say she repeated say it quickly please for i must go there is a squad of soldiers on their way to this place he said speaking so naturally that she was partially thrown off her guard perhaps this was only a kindly warning after all you can probably see them now out there on the kansas city road they will be here inside of a half hour they are after your father you know what that means she did know the blood of the last martyr was yet crying from the ground i'll tell you plainly that the plan is to kill him and burn keswick they've heard of this house being a hospital for quantrell's soldiers she was listening with strained attention he was just a boy she said we never knew he belonged to quantrell till he was going away that won't make any difference do you suppose you will get them to believe that i know those men i belong to that squad they mean mischief i tell you virginia had not stirred she was as white as a sheet you have come to warn me she said what can i do he took a step nearer his hot breath swept her cheek as he stooped over her you asked me a minute ago what i wanted i'll tell you virginia trevilian i want you i want you for my wife say the word and i'll send those men back i'll tell them i've looked into it and found we're wrong say the word and not a hair of your father's head shall be harmed promise to be my wife when the war's over and i will swear to you that keswick shall not be touched to-day or any other day i can keep them from it if i want to virginia had stood perfectly still during this strange love-making if such it could be called she was almost too astonished at the audacity of the man to try to stop him she turned upon him now with a dangerous light in her gray eyes they looked almost black your wife she said with slow cutting emphasis why emmons baird you are mad stark raving mad do you suppose i would ever marry you a dull red spread over his dark face at the concentrated scorn of her tone and do you suppose my father would save his home at the sacrifice of his daughter's honor i haven't asked you to sacrifice your honor he said sullenly i want to marry you she gave a gesture of impatient disgust some men i know don't ask that as angry as she was the significance of the words did not escape her you think i am not good enough for you he went on he could not fail to see that this was final 
and like the reptile he was he was gathering himself to strike with an envenomed fang because i haven't been off to college and can't say smooth things like gordon lay oh i know who you are saving yourself for i'm not blind but i'll tell you this virginia trevilian with all your pride and your high mightiness you don't know everything i may be what you'd call a bad man i don't claim to be a sunday school boy maybe i've been a little too free with my gun and rebel cattle but listen to this i've never yet ruined a woman and gordon lay she faced him with white lips and blazing eyes it's a lie she said vehemently a base wicked lie it's worthy of you emmons baird he laughed sardonically it's no lie you'll see ask lois chandler she left him without a word when she reached the house an officer and three men on horseback were standing before the door the fences had long ago been torn down for the convenience of loaded wagons the horses trampled the pansies ruthlessly colonel trevelyan was talking to them and she went straight to his side at a word from the leader one of the men dismounted get on that horse commanded the officer to colonel trevelyan i want you to show us the way to john pascoe's it was an old subterfuge men were led forth thus as sheep to the slaughter sometimes they came back and sometimes they were left dangling at the end of a rope one never knew which it would be but virginia had reason to believe it would not be the first she caught the man's bridle as he stood there he was mounted on a magnificent black horse which reared as he felt the hand on his bit let go commanded the officer she did not release her hold not till you tell me my father shall be safe the horse reared and came down and reared again taking the girl with him virginia child her father cried in an agony of fear every man in that yard expected to see her trampled let go i tell you thundered the man this horse is a stallion he'll paw you to death her face was white to the lips but she clung to the bit and lifted a defiant head i won't let go until you promise me my father shall not be harmed the beast reared again i promise cried the man good god you can't see a woman killed he looked at her with fierce admiration we'll show you the way said virginia gathering up her hair which had dropped from its fastenings i will go behind my father when they returned the yard was full of men the house had been stripped wagons were driving away from the door piled with the last things that keswick had to give up the negroes were gathering their belongings together with averted faces and other wagons were waiting for them a tiny line of flame was creeping up the wall and the hand of emmons baird held the torch my god groaned the colonel this is the last he pleaded for it then his pride was crushed keswick had been to him as a child he had reared they laughed him to scorn it was a rebel nest they said hadn't he harbored quantrell's men and the women wrung their hands in impotent despair the old man turned upon them at last what mean ye that ye beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor saith the lord of hosts his soul was full of the burning words of the hebrew prophet they surged within him for utterance we take our orders from colonel jennison said the officer on the black horse we haven't anything to do with the lord of hosts and the others laughed you will have cried the colonel in a voice that thrilled with intensity he shook his finger in the man's face 
he was desperate now it did not matter much what became of him ye have eaten up the vineyard the spoil of the poor is in your houses and the lord rideth on a swift cloud in spite of their bravado they were startled by his words they thought of them the next day when the storm broke upon lawrence once only as all this was going on did emmons baird speak to virginia when the flames leaped from porch to roof and the thick smoke poured from every aperture he stepped to her side the wagons were driving off the negroes were gone the soldiers were preparing to leave what do you think now of your choice he sneered better than ever she said defiantly i took you then for a bad man now i know you for a fiend incarnate women don't mate with monsters and at the moment of his triumph emmons baird had the old feeling of defeat i'm not through yet he said grimly and he pointed his revolver at colonel trevilian she heard the click and raised a face of despair to the officer on the black horse he had ridden up to have a last word with her he thought he had earned it drop that gun baird he shouted above the roar of the flames i've given my word to the girl and by god i'll stand by it the pistol dropped you're ahead said emmons baird menacingly but you'll not always be i'll strike you yet there was many another burning house that night on grand prairie they started up like beacon fires by their lurid light grim men with set faces and the hearts of demons rode into the west when the sun went down keswick was a mass of charred timbers its chimneys and its blackened pillars standing guard over the grave of hope colonel trevilian went about the yard like one distraught his home was gone his people were gone he had not believed they would leave him but the love of liberty is as strong as the love of life it is a day of trouble and of treading down and of perplexity he muttered alas that i should live to see it virginia clung to him we will build it again some day father she said with quivering lips when beverly comes back beverly where is beverly hunted like a wild beast ah beverly my son my son he strode up and down before the spot where his roof-tree had been he had borne all bravely until this but keswick was the apple of his eye it was to have been his sons and his sons sons and it was gone the wind stirred his gray hairs his head was bared to every blast now a sudden gust brought a shower of smouldering sparks around them he stretched out his arms with a gesture of despair i am poor and sorrowful he said in a broken voice thou feedest me with the bread of tears then his mood changed he raised his clenched hand to heaven let death seize upon them he cried in a harsh stern voice that made virginia shrink from him so little did it seem like his own and let them go quick down into hell father he was not to be stopped the waters of a full cup had been wrung out to him that day let their eyes be darkened that they see not let their habitation be desolate let their children be continually vagabonds and beg let them seek their bread also out of the desolate places yea let them be blotted out of the book of the living father father come and sit down in the summer-house see that isn't burned why here is some of the honeysuckle unscorched and so she babbled on thinking meanwhile in her anguished heart where is mother why doesn't she come she came at last i've been busy making down beds in the loom house dear i think we are going to be right comfortable after all to-night mammy saved a few things and uncle reuben has been filling a spare tick with straw it's fortunate it is summer oh no uncle reuben and mammy didn't go we'll get along virginia help mammy about the supper will you dear i'll sit with your father in the summer-house a while as we used to do 
she drew the gray head to her shoulder she did not like the strained look about his mouth mammy said virginia as she washed out some tin cups for the coffee have you heard anything about how the channels are getting along in all this frightful time she spoke with studied carelessness mammy shut her lips together and turned each slice of middling before she spoke miss virginia dey's some mighty ugly stories goin round bout dat chandler girl dey ain't fitten for you to hear virginia set the cup down and went outside she did not ask what the stories were is there anything in life more pathetic than women's efforts to be cheerful with fresh graves and blasted hopes around them from where she sat at the supper-table mrs lake could see the weeping willow mrs trevilian the ashes of her home but both smiled and kept the conversation going when the meal was over mammy brought out the family bible which she had managed to save from the wreck and mrs trevilian handed it to her husband we will have prayers now dear and go to bed it has been a trying day come mammy you and uncle reuben will keep together to-night they sat on boxes and broken back chairs around the room in mammy's house that had given them shelter virginia and sally were on the doorstep and the two old negroes outside the window colonel trevilian took the book the sacred book that had come down to him from his father's in it was the family record of four generations there was a set tense look about his face read the thirty-seventh psalm dear or the fourteenth of john he did not heed his wife's words she was not sure that he heard them he turned to job the nineteenth chapter and read in a hard metallic voice know now that god hath overthrown me and hath compassed me with his net behold i cry out of wrong but i am not heard i cry aloud but there is no judgment he hath fenced up my way that i cannot pass and he hath set darkness in my paths he hath stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head he stopped every head was bowed they were weeping silently but his eyes were dry and burning he hath destroyed me on every side and i am gone and mine hope hath he removed like a tree he hath also kindled his wrath against me and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies mrs trevilian reached out and took his hand no father no though he slay me yet will i trust in him she said softly he read straight on his troops come together and raise up their way against me and encamp round about my tabernacle he hath put my brethren far from me and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me my kinsfolk have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me mrs lay was sitting on the other side of him she laid her hand gently on his knee but he did not see it his voice rose the bitterness of his tone increased they that dwell in my house and my maids count me for a stranger i am an alien in their sight i call my servant and he gave me no answer his voice broke then the defection of his negroes had been a blow to him he had not believed they would leave him it is a fearful thing to see a strong man break down sally looked at him with fascinated eyes while virginia was sobbing in miss nanny's lap he read the words again with an intensity that was painful i called my servant and he gave me no answer it was more than uncle reuben could bear it did not seem possible to him that this was reading it was an appeal and a personal reproach he put his head in the window his black face working convulsively and the tears running down his cheeks when you call me marster i heard you colonel trevilian closed the book then he spread out his hands and looked around with a pitiful gesture of supplication have pity upon me have pity upon me o ye my friends for the hand of god hath touched me his hands fell at his side and his head upon his breast for a quarter of a century his let us pray had followed the reading of the scriptures they waited for it now but it did not come not once in that quarter of a century 
had mrs trevilian ever taken the reins of family worship into her own hands but to-day as they fell from her husband's nerveless grasp she gathered them up uncle reuben she said lead us in prayer they knelt together on the puncheon floor a stricken band and the old man poured out his soul before god End of chapter thirty one